Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Let's Talk Low Vision, brought to you by the Council of Citizens with Low Vision International. My name is Dr. Bill Takeshta, and I'm very, very pleased to be your host this evening as we talk about what's new in smartphones. To tell us more about what he knows about smartphones is one of the most intelligent people that I know in the area of mobile technology, and it's Mr. Julian Vargas. Welcome to the show, Julian. Uh, pleasure to be here, Dr. Bill. Thanks for having me on. Yes, you know, it doesn't seem that long ago since we had you on talking about some of the different applications on the iPhone, but I know that uh, this year there's been a lot of changes, and there's changes that occur constantly in the cell phone technology. And uh, for me, it's been kind of a very, very interesting year for me because I finally did find a smartphone, which is the iPhone 4S, that really does seem to meet all the demands that I have for it. And it has been something that really, really has made my life a lot easier than I ever thought that it would. But um, the first thing that I wanted to ask you is, can you sort of just in general describe to our listeners what is really the main difference between the different smartphones? I know that some of them use the Apple operating system and others are using the Android or Google operating system. And I've been hearing quite a bit about the Microsoft uh, operating system. But can you share us a bit of information about this most basic fundamental feature of cell phones. Yes. Uh, uh, there's been, definitely been some changes over the last few years as far as the operating systems that are being used. You know, for a while it was uh, BlackBerry and Symbian and Windows Mobile that were the uh, common operating systems on smartphones. And now it's, we have uh, iPhone, of course, with the iOS operating system, which is found, you know, on iPhones, iPads, and iPod Touches. Uh, we have Android, which is Google's operating system, but it's also pretty much an open source operating system that is found on many different varieties of cell phones. And then we have uh, Microsoft's Windows Phone 7. Um, Microsoft used to put out uh, Windows Mobile, and they uh, pretty much abandoned that platform and went to a whole new uh, operating system. They tried to, I guess, capitalize on the success of the iPhone in terms of making something that was very user-friendly, uh, something that's very non-intimidating. They, they really want to target the person who has not yet gotten a smartphone because they were too afraid of them to sort of coax them over with a phone that, that was very uh, easy to use, uh, very intuitive. The only problem with Windows Phone is that uh, it is not accessible. Uh, there's no accessibility features, but and to date, there are no applications that I know of to make it more accessible. Uh, it's hoped that perhaps when Windows Phone 8 comes out that uh, maybe they will incorporate it. But for right now, uh, the blind or low vision user, really, as far as uh, viable options, it would be the iOS platform or the Android platform. Uh, the iOS platform is by far the most popular uh, among the blind and low vision crowd because it's very simple. The uh, the accessibility is built right into the operating system. Uh, 
So it's not an add-on or anything like that. It's it's built into all the devices. You just go into settings and turn it on. Or when you get the device brand new out of the box, uh, when you start at the activation portion, you simply press the home key three times, and that turns on your voiceover automatically. So uh, very easy, very 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 intuitive. Whereas the uh, Android, uh, there's so many different varieties of Android. And right now, it's a little bit of a Wild West type of uh, pioneer setting out there because, first of all, you've got several different versions of Android out there in the wild right now. Uh, the latest one is, of course, 4.0, which is also called Ice Cream Sandwich. Uh, Android tends to name all their major versions of operating system after desserts. Um, so that's the newest one, but it's not available for all models yet. So you'll find a lot of phones that are currently running 2.3, which is called Gingerbread. Uh, that one, Android, comes with some accessibility built into it, but some models have it. Some models you have to download and install something. But uh, it's not as smooth. Uh, there, I don't want to say that it's not as accessible because there are some who really get into Android who will argue that it's just as accessible. But in terms of setting it up, it is a little bit more involved than, say, the iPhone. So uh, depending on one level... I would say that if one really doesn't want to tinker with a whole lot of things and they just want something that works right out of the box, the iPhone at this point is really the one to look at. So, Julian, when we talk about these cell phones, they do have an operating system. You know, we, we, it reminds us of computers, and so essentially these smartphones are little computers. Would that be accurate? That is absolutely accurate. In fact, the, uh, the fo- most of the phones that we carry around in our pockets today have more power than a desktop computer of about five to ten years ago. So they, they in fact, are becoming uh, – well, I mean, they are computers, but they are, they are fast becoming uh, the computer of choice for a lot of people. Some people don't want to bother with a PC and all the hassles and the viruses and the malware and all that stuff you got to worry about. So some really like things like iPads and iPhones because uh, it's a lot simpler, and there's really not a lot of hassle to setting them up and using them. And if we were to try to uh, simplify the two categories, so at this time for a person who is partially sighted or a person who is totally blind, the two choices would be to purchase a cell phone that runs the Apple operating system or one that runs uh, Android operating system, now, if one is going to purchase one that has the Apple operating system, is it true that there is really only a couple of phones that are available for purchase? Well, yes. The, the, um, with, with, with Apple, it's a lot easier to make a choice in terms of a phone because they, they don't put out a whole lot of variation in their hardware. Basically, their, their latest iPhone is the 4S. The one before that is the 4 and you can still actually get iPhone 3GSs, which is the one that came out in 2009, which was the first accessible iPhone. Um, if, you, uh, if, if you're on a very tight budget and, and you really can't put out any money toward the uh, purchase of an iPhone, the 3GS is a great entry-level model because oftentimes these companies are either uh, giving it for free with a two-year contract or for very little down. Uh, the iPhone 4 is the middle ground, and frankly, uh, I would say that if someone's a little tight on a budget and maybe doesn't want to spring for the 4S, I would highly recommend going 
for the 4 as opposed to the 3GS because the 4 has a faster processor. And most importantly, the 4 has a much better camera than the uh, 3GS. The iPhone 4 has a 5-megapixel camera. And if you're going to be using uh, a lot of the uh, apps for color recognition, object recognition, barcode reading, money reading, etc., uh, the better the camera, the better the performance. And I would definitely say that if you think you're going to be doing that uh, and you don't have a lot of money, then get the iPhone 4. But if you can afford it, the, the iPhone 4S is, is really the, the best thing out there right now because it, it does all that, plus it has an 8-megapixel camera. Uh, it's got a faster processor, more RAM, which basically translates to can do more things in a faster, more efficient way. And... What I really find to be the thing that makes the Apple iPhone 4S something that really is something I use very, very often every day is Siri. Can you tell everybody what is Siri in the Apple iPhone 4S? Siri is Apple's personal uh, voice assistant, if you will. Uh, Just to be clear, Siri is still technically considered a beta it's not a full product as of yet. It's still being developed, and I think us iPhone 4S owners uh, became uh, unwitting uh, guinea pigs, if you will, <laughs> to uh, helping Apple to uh, perfect Siri. I-, I think eventually you're going to see it in more of the Apple products, but for right now, it's uh, in the iPhone 4S. It allows you to interact with uh, various features of the phone via voice and also to look up information, which is primarily what I do with it. Uh, I used to use apps, for example, to find uh, local points of interest. And now I can just uh, open up Siri and say, where's my nearest Italian restaurant? And uh, she'll give me a list of them, and I can uh, go and choose the one I want, get the phone number, call it, find out its address, etc. You can use it to find weather conditions anywhere in the world. In fact, uh, you can ask it, uh, is it going to be nice in New York today? And if it's raining, kind of cold over there, she'll say, no, not looking very nice in New York. <laughs> she'll give you the current weather condition. Uh, I also use Siri a lot for uh, setting reminders and setting alarms with the iPhone. Uh, when I'm doing laundry, I live in an apartment building that has uh, the coin-operated machines in the laundry room. So when I put in a load of laundry, the first thing I'll do is uh, tell Siri to remind me that when it's time to put my clothes in the dryer, and however many minutes it is, and sure enough, uh, once I set that, in that amount of time, she will uh, alert me that it's time to go down there. You can use this when you're cooking, you can, uh, as opposed to setting a timer uh, the old-fashioned way. Uh, setting up alarms to wake up, you can say, wake me up at 7 a.m. tomorrow, and she'll uh, she'll do that. works very well. Uh, there's also a dictation function that's found in the iPhone 4S and the, the latest iPad as well uh, has this, where instead of typing out something in an edit field, you can voice dictate by activating a dictation or microphone button on the keypad. And it's very accurate. It it gets it right, I'd say, a good 95% of the time. And it's really very, very fascinating because there's no training involved. It's not like using Dragon Naturally Speaking where you have to read a couple of paragraphs. Um, Can you tell our listeners about using Siri on the iPhone 4S to send a text message or even an email? Yes. So uh, when you're in the text messaging application and you're in the part where you would normally type the message where it shows the on-screen keyboard and an edit field, 
um, just to the left of the space bar on the screen, there's a button that shows a picture of a microphone for those who are looking visually. And for those who are using voiceover to tell us the keys, it's simply called dictate. So what I do if I want to type in a message is I find that button, dictate, I activate it, and you'll hear a ding-ding sound to let you know that it's listening. So I would say, hello, Dr. Bill, period. It was very nice speaking with you today on the CCLVI conference, period. I hope that the information that we gave is helpful to others, period. Look forward to the next one, period. Take care, period. And uh, then I, I... tap the screen two times with two fingers to stop the dictation, and almost instantly the edit field is populated with what I just said. And let's say for whatever reason there was a noise in the background that interrupted me or that interfered with what it was hearing, and it got something wrong. What I can do if I want to start all over again is I simply pick up the phone in my hand and shake it a couple of times because the built-in accelerometer registers that movement, and it blanks out that text field, and I can hit the dictate button and start all over again, and it's very convenient. And how about in terms of using your voice to tell who you want to send that to? Are you able to do that? Yes, you can. uh, If you want to do that, you can uh, start the Siri by uh, pressing and holding the home button for a a second or so, and you hear a dum-dum. And then you say, you know, can you send a text message to and say the name if it's in your contact list? And uh, then it'll bring up the information in that edit field. And, again, you can do the same thing. Just uh, speak to it. And if it uh, reads back the way you like, you can send the message and you're on your way. And I I really think it's so helpful because one of the concerns that I had with all of these smartphones was would I be able to type? Uh, these messages and things quick enough using a touchscreen keyboard. And with with the Siri, I have just found that I, I very rarely am typing very many things into uh, my iPhone 4S. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, there are certain messages, very lengthy ones, where I still prefer to pair my phone with a Bluetooth keyboard to type it out just in terms of uh, speed and, and accuracy. But for very quick messages, uh, I find that it works very nicely. Now, with uh, some of the other types of applications on the iPhone 4S, uh, do do you find that these applications that you have tried, would you say that there are very effective applications for identifying currency or identifying colors or GPS? What's your feelings on these applications for the iPhone so far? I think they're great. Uh, my One of the first recommendations that I give to clients when I'm training somebody on the iPhone is I tell them, you got to go and download the Look, Tell, Money Reader. It's a great app. It costs only $9.99, which compared to the price of a lot of apps might seem like a lot, but then you remember what a normal uh, money identifier used to cost, and suddenly it doesn't seem so expensive. And it's great. Uh, it's a very simple app. There's really not a lot to it. You launch the app, and instantly it's ready to uh, identify money. And it's waiting for you to wave a bill in front of the camera. And when you do that, usually like six to eight inches above the bill, the bill is instantly identified. So you could even uh, put uh, put down two or three bills on a table next to each other and pass the phone over them and one by one have its denomination read to you. 
Um, for color identification, there are a number of apps that do this. I'll be honest, I think there's still a little improvement that needs to be done there. Some of it might have to do with the fact that Apple only gives a certain limited type of access to the camera API that developers can make use of. So uh, for color identifying and things like that, I actually recommend an app called VizWiz, and this is a free app. Uh, and what this does is it allows you to take a picture of any item and send it out over the Internet, either to uh, a web IQ engine, which is an automated system that tries to uh, compare that image to many millions that it has stored in a database to tell you what it is. Uh, you can send it out to web workers, which are people who I guess are paid by the amount of jobs that they do on the Internet. I'm not quite sure how that works exactly, but all I know is that they seem to be there at almost any given time of the day. And it's like having access to a pair of eyes anytime you need one and don't have someone you can call on at that moment. And you can ask a specific question. What color is this shirt? Uh, is this a can of chicken noodle soup? Um, the possibilities are virtually endless, things you can ask a pair of eyes effectively and have the answer within uh, probably a minute or two. Uh, you can also now, with the newest version of it, I guess, send it out, uh, email that picture to uh, a close friend. You could even send it out on Facebook to people who you know and get responses that way. Uh, so there's a lot of possibilities with, with, with that app. Another app that I really liked is also by the LookTel people. It's called LookTel Recognizer. And it's using the same technology that they use for money identifying, but it allows you to teach this app how to recognize items. And the more pictures that you put into the database with identification, the better it gets. So if you've got two or three different cans of soup in your cupboard, uh, you would take a picture of each one, and ideally I would recommend if you've got no vision or, or very low vision to maybe have a sighted person help you with this, taking the picture of it, and then you record an audio label. And next time that you have that app on and it sees that can of soup, it'll instantly play back the label that you recorded. Um, I found so many uses for this. Uh, one of the latest ones I found with this is at a restaurant where you have the different soda machines of different flavors. I've gone through and taken pictures of each one of those labels and given it an audio label. So now if I need to go get a drink for myself or somebody that I'm uh, having lunch or dinner with, I can go up there and use my phone to uh, find the correct one. It's very neat. Wow. Um, now, does that, does that also share a library of images and audio labels? Say that there's a, a, a thousand people who all have purchased the Litau Recognizer. Will it share a database? I, I don't know of anyone that's been... I can't imagine that uh, there isn't something like that in the works because you can actually export your library, which is actually a good thing to do just in case you ever have to reset your phone or it gets damaged or something like that. It'd be a pain to have to read teach this app all these uh, objects to recognize. So you can export that database and save it and reload it. Uh, you could also share it with people. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of potential to, to be done with that. Now, how about GPS uh, systems? I, I know that a lot of people are interested in smartphones simply because of the GPS. And uh, what, what's your experience with the GPS applications for the iPhone? Oh, it's a great topic. That's just what we talked about last Saturday at Tech Talk. Um, there's two types of GPS. Uh, there is the uh, guided or directional type of GPS, which 
uh, is more like the traditional GPS that most people are familiar with, where you are told by somebody, turn right, turn left, uh, you've arrived at your destination so many yards. Um, then there is orientational GPS, which is mostly uh, of interest to the blind and low vision community. Um, unfortunately, there is no one app that does this all. However, I'm happy to report that Sendero, uh, which which are, were the pioneer of GPS for the blind, is currently working on a solution. I had the pleasure of participating in a focus group at the CSUN conference a few months ago where they were taking a lot of uh, ideas and suggestions for things that people really wanted out of this app that they're going to eventually offer. So uh, for right now, we kind of have to use a, uh, a collection of different apps to uh, get the job done. If you're looking for the guided or directional type of GPS, the, the apps that I recommend are Navigon uh, and also another one called Motion X GPS Drive. They're both uh, really good apps, and a lot of uh, blind people, from what I uh, understand, have had a lot of good results with it. I personally use Navigon, and I use it a lot, especially when I'm traveling to areas that I'm not familiar with and I need to find someplace. Um, for orientational GPS, I have several apps in that category as well. Sendero's Look Around app is a very good one for finding out your nearest intersection. It also does address finding and, and POI lookups, but I don't think that uh, does as well as other apps uh, do that particular function. But for finding intersections, it's a really great app. Uh, an app that's great for address finding is one called Ariadne GPS. That's spelled A-R-I-A-D-N-E GPS. You can find it in the App Store. That one is developed specifically for the blind community, and it does address lookups very well. It uh, is also great for finding out what street you're on. You can also uh, record uh, point. Uh, you can make your own point of interest, if you will. So, for example, in front of your house, if you want to mark that as a uh, as a point of interest, you can do that and then find your way back to it later. Um, so it does those kinds of things very well. It also has a function where you can uh, do virtual map exploration on the screen uh, via touchscreen, which is a little tricky, but it's uh, it's fun to play with. Uh, another great app that I've recently been playing with is called My Way Light. It's uh, developed by the Swiss Federation of the Blind, and they've got uh, the light version, which is free, and then they've got a version that you pay for that allows you to load some map data into it via iTunes. I get by just fine with the free version. And what this app does, somewhat similar to Ariadne, is it allows you to uh, make your own point of interest that you can find your way back to later. But this one over Ariadne lets you record a whole string of these. So it's almost like you could take a trip and think of that old story of, uh, of dropping the breadcrumbs to find your way back. Uh, you can effectively do that with this app. And uh, every time you, uh, you shake the phone while you're in this mode, it, it drops a breadcrumb right where you are effectively by way of recording the latitude and longitude of your current location. And then later on, when you want to follow that route and you call it up because you can name that route and store it, uh, it'll ask you if you want to run that route from beginning to end or the other way around. So let's say you're at the end of that route, and now you want to find your way back to where you started. You run it the other way around, and then it puts the last point that you uh, stored in focus, and it tells you your uh, distance from that point and your, your direction from it via clock face direction. So you hold the phone in front of you, 
and 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 do this. And every so often, it announces your proximity to that point. Then, when you are near that point and you're ready to focus on the next one, you simply shake the phone, and now the next point, the, the second to the last point that you stored, goes in focus and again does the same thing. And and you follow that process so you get back to the first one. You know, it's just really, really amazing. And even though that these applications, I, I believe they all have to be approved by Apple, there just seem to be so many affordable applications uh, that people could add onto their iPhone 4S. You know, let's talk about price before we go on to the Android cell phones. But okay. What, what would be the price of a person who is going to get a new two-year contract and they decide they want to buy the iPhone 4S? What, what's the cost of the phone, and what, what would be the total cost of all of these applications if somebody wants to set up like yours? Um, what would be the total cost of the applications in total? Okay, well, for uh, for starters, uh, the iPhone comes in three different sizes, not, not physical size, but storage size. So depending on what you're going to want to store in your phone, uh, that determines which one you should get. Uh, the the starter one for the 4S is 16 gigabyte. Then you've got 32 gigabyte and 64 gigabyte, which is uh, this is the first time that they've offered an iPhone with that much storage. Uh, if you're going to use this as your iPod as well, and you're going to store a lot of music, videos, pictures, etc., and apps, then you might want to look at the 64 or maybe even the 32. But if you're like me and you don't use this thing for uh, media consumption, um, the 16 gig is just fine, and for a person opening up a new contract or someone who's eligible for an upgrade, uh, the the price of the 4S is $199 plus tax, which, by the way, you're paying tax for the full pr- based on the full price of the item. So basically, it ends up costing you about $254, give or take, here in California. It may vary in different states depending on your sales tax, but here in California, that was the cost of it. Um, the uh, the 32 gig uh, is a hundred dollars more, and the 64 gig is another hundred dollars more. So basically, it's a 199, 299, or 399 plus the uh, the tax of the phone, um, and you can get it through either AT&T, Verizon, or Sprint. Um, if you want the lower models, like the iPhone 4. Uh, depending on the time of year and depending on what sales they're having, generally uh, the iPhone 4 uh, now is only available in 8 gigs. That's one thing that Apple does when they uh, when they bring in a new model and they're and they're keeping around the old one. Is the old one they only offer it in one size and that's 8 gigabytes. And I think that one with a new two-year contract might be about $99. Although I've heard of some situations where companies uh, charge about half that, or sometimes in some cases even give it for free with a new two-year contract. It just depends on the time of year and the promotion. And the 3GS is, is the same thing. Uh, you can get that for free or for very little with a new contract. Um, as far as apps are concerned, um, some of the apps that I mentioned, uh, the uh, the LookTel Money Reader, that's $9.99. The LookTel Recognizer, that's $9.99. VizWiz is free. Uh, the GPS apps, um, what is that one? Um, Ariadne is, I think, five ninety five. dollars 95 Look Around is about four ninety five. dollars um, The MyWay Lite is free. The MyWay paid version is $20. But again, unless you're really going to want to play with those map functions through iTunes, 
I, I don't think you really need to worry about paying out that money for it. At least not at this time. Maybe someday they'll have more functions which make it worth the while. Uh, the Navigon, um, it comes in several different flavors. If you want the full version of Navigon, which is what they call the North American version, which gives you Canada, the U.S., and I think uh, possibly Mexico and parts of the Caribbean, that one, when it's not on sale, it's $59. If you want the U.S. version, which is just the uh, the United States only, uh, when it's not on sale, it's 49 And then they also have regionalized versions like Northeast, Southeast, Midwest, uh, West or Southwest, I forget how they break those down, but the regionalized versions, when they're not on sale, I think are 29 But I will say that uh, there are times when you can get it on sale. I, I got the North American, the, uh, not the North American, the, the, the U.S. version of Navigon uh, two years ago on Black Friday for the price of the regional version. So I paid 30 bucks to get it. So it just depends on when you catch it on sale. Um, Motion X is a little different, and this might actually be affordable to some people because the app itself is 99 cents. And when you buy that, you get a month's worth of turn-by-turn voice-guided direction with street names. Uh, if you want to go beyond that with the voice-guided turn-by-turn, you then can pay for a year's worth of it for only $9.99. That's the current promotion. I don't know how long it's going to last, and I don't know what happens after the year is up, what they're going to charge you after that. But for the time being, um, it's a great way if you don't want to pay 50 bucks and maybe you want uh, to, to give GPS a try on your phone. Uh, I'm trying to think uh, what other ones. Uh, what other ones that I mentioned that you think I should give a price on? I, I think that I think that really covered all all the real main ones that that you had had discussed. So we're talking about if you did buy everything, you might be talking about a hundred dollars in applications. So it gives uh, all the listeners kind of an idea as to what it may cost them. Now, one last question about the iPhone 4S. What's been your experience about the battery life, and have you purchased a special high-powered battery to use the iPhone for a longer period of time if you're away from the house? I would say it really depends what you're doing with the phone. If you're going to be, uh, if you're going to use a lot of GPS, I will tell you that that runs on your battery. Uh, that's that's very uh, intensive on the battery of the phone. So. And if you're going to do that, then uh, you're going to have issues where you're going to run out of battery and you're not going to make it through the day. So um, to answer your second question, yes, I've purchased something known as the Mophie Juice Pack. And it comes in two different varieties. There's the Juice Pack Air, which is a little cheaper. And then there's the Juice Pack Plus, which costs a little more, but it does give you more power. With the Juice Pack Air, uh, you can use it to get almost a full additional charge out of the pack. And what's nice about this is that it's like, it's almost like an iPhone case. So it fits into this. It makes the phone a little thicker, a little heavier. But it's nice because you've always got a backup battery with you. That all you have to do is flip a switch if you go down low in your battery, and now you've got more battery power to, to rely on. Um, that one uh, can usually sell from anywhere from maybe 60 to $80, depending, again, on what you find. Amazon's a great place to look for those. Uh, they also sell... Uh, battery chargers that, that run on a battery that are not quite as convenient but are very useful to have around as sort of like a backup to a backup. And I know I bought one. I can't remember the name of it offhand, but it plugs into the bottom of the phone, into, into the data port. So it makes the phone a little longer in length. But, again, it's great if you need to charge your phone on the go um, and you don't have somewhere to plug into. 
And I think I got mine, believe it or not, for about $5 on Amazon for that one. So um, just look for iPhone chargers and uh, iPhone portable battery chargers, and you might find those on Amazon. And is there a particular listserv or website that our listeners could go to and get a lot of information more so on the iPhone 4 and 4S? Yeah, there's, there's several websites, actually. AppleVis.com, A-P-P-L-E-V-I-S.com is a great source of lots of information about iPhones and accessible apps, lots of good reviews, et cetera. Uh, there's another one, I think, called AllWithMyiPhone.com is, is another good one. Uh, a great listserv, and it's one that I belong to, uh, but a very busy one. It's called the V-iPhone list. It's a Google group. So if you go into Google groups and look for V-I-Phone, V-I-P-H-O-N-E, uh, you'll find that list. You have to be invited, so you have to submit a request. But uh, usually they get back to you within a day or two and add you on. There's no real specific requirement there. Uh, just your interest in iPhones is all that's required. Uh, I would recommend if you're going to join that list, though, to maybe think about setting up a spare email account just to deal with listservs and things like that. Because, like I said, that, that list can be pretty active, especially during the times of new iOS releases or, or major app uh, changes or releases and things like that. So if you don't like a cluttered inbox and you don't want that to go through that when you're going through your personal or business email, I might recommend setting up a spare email account, you know, like a free Gmail or Yahoo mm-hmm. or Hotmail account um, will do that very nicely. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and, and switch pace a bit over to the Android operating system. And I know that one immediate benefit of the Android operating system is that you have dozens and dozens of phones to select from. Uh, yes. Can you talk a bit about some of those advantages of these additional phones that run the Android operating system? Yeah, they, they come in, in various uh, form factors and sizes and types. Um, unlike uh, Apple, which only makes one type of phone, um, Android, because it's a free op- and open operating system, can be put, uh, and it's used by different manufacturers, to be put onto different phones. So you can get phones with slide-out QWERTY keyboards. You can get phones that are a little bit more reminiscent of a BlackBerry with that monoblock, uh, smaller QWERTY keyboard in front. Uh, you can also get phones that are completely just 100% touchscreen. There, there are no physical buttons, even no home button like what the iPhone has on the screen. So it really depends on, on what you want. Uh, all the carriers sell Android phone, even uh, the discount carriers like like Metro PCS and Virgin Mobile, things like that, they all have some kind of Android phone or another. So some people prefer Android for that reason. But again, uh, I will caution that uh, accessibility is a little trickier on those phones because in some cases you have to download the accessibility features into the phone. Uh, if you want a more comprehensive uh, accessibility, you can download and pay for mobile accessibility, which is put out by Code Factory, which costs about $99 to download and put into your phone. There are companies like AT&T that will give you a light version if you're, if you're a customer of theirs and you're registered with their disability uh, department, uh, you can actually get the light version of mobile accessibility for free through their program. I think Sprint, if I'm not mistaken, offers something similar as well. So uh, you would check with your carrier to see. But um, the thing, too, that happens with Android is sometimes when uh, you have updates to Android, it can break 
the accessibility functions of Android. Uh, because oftentimes with Android phones, unless you get what's known as vanilla Android, which is basically pure Android without any overlays or modifications to it, um, such as what you get from uh, maybe Motorola or HTC, or, and then on top of that you get Verizon and people like that that, that like to put in their own uh, overlay onto it. All those things can get in the way of the accessibility. So I would always recommend that if you can, get a phone that has what's known as vanilla Android, which is a straight Android without any um, any overlays on it. But, of course, that's going to make the phone cost more because it's harder to find <laughs> subsidized vanilla Android phones. And you're not going to have as many choices as you do with uh, all the other types of Android phones. So it, it gets definitely trickier. Uh <laughs> If you're somebody who's a, who's a tech geek and you like uh, tinkering with things and figuring it out and taking, you've got that sort of pioneer spirit then, uh, and you don't like some of the restrictions like a form factor or operating system that you get with iOS, then Android is definitely a good place to look. But uh, if you're not someone who's got a lot of patience and you just want something that works, then uh, you might think about Android and maybe play with one before uh, getting committed to one. So, Julian, when a person does purchase a Android phone, so let's say, for example, that there are a three different Android operating system cell phones. We'll call one of them A, the other one will be B, and there will be the other one will be C. If a person goes to the store and looks at these three phones that each run the same Android operating system, is it true to say that each phone may look quite different to the user because there's a different type of interface operating system on top of it? Yes. Uh, even even if all three phones had a similar a physical form factor, if they're from different manufacturers or even from different carriers, uh, there's no real consistency. It's not like the iPhone. You know, the iPhone, whether you pick up a Sprint iPhone or an AT&T iPhone or a Verizon iPhone, they all uh, operate the same way. Uh, you're not going to see a whole lot of difference between the three, you know, those three iPhones. But if you take uh, three different iPhones, the same, the same form factor, but you put them across different carriers or different manufacturers, uh, you're bound to, you're likely to see greater differences in button placements, uh, in the way that the menus are set up, and even uh, just with the way accessibility might work really well on one and on the other one uh, really not so well. Now, does each of the Android cell phones come with a screen magnifier, or is that something that would have to be downloaded through an application? I think that is gotten through apps. And do you happen to know with text-to-speech, is that also something that the person would download through applications? In some cases, um, when you get, especially vanilla Android, it comes with something called TalkBack, which is their own uh, screen reader. But then there are other ones you can download, like Steel and, of course, uh, the mobile accessibility, which is the one you pay for. So there are, there are a number of solutions out there, but in some cases you might have to download them. I've heard of some newer Android phones now where, uh, in an effort, I guess, to, to maybe cut down on, on the bloat of, of what's stored in the phone, that they don't, by default, come with the voices downloaded. So you have to go into settings and accessibility and then uh, trigger a download of the accessibility in order to be able to make use of it. 
and to your knowledge, with the Android phones, is there a analogous feature to the iPhone? I know that you stated that with the iPhone, you could press the physical home button three times and turn on speech. Is there any type of analogous type of gesture or movement that you could do on an Android just to turn on the accessibility features when a person goes to the store? Because, you know, many times, Julian, you go to the stores and the employees know nothing about the accessibility features. Right. Uh, this is found in the latest version of Android, the, the 4.0 ice cream sandwich. Uh, with those phones, I'm told that you can pick up an Android phone and do the equivalent of drawing a rectangle on the screen. It's almost like you're going around the, the, the borders of the screen with your finger. Uh, go all the way around till you uh, till you end up where you started, and that is supposed to launch the accessibility functions in the phone. But again, uh, that's found in the latest version of Android, and there's really no telling whether some overlay on top of that will or will not interfere with that function. So it definitely works on the vanilla Android 4.0, but it, no guarantee that it'll work on somebody else's, uh, you know, Samsungs or somebody else's uh, Android 4.0 overlay. Well, I know that I've been to other types of uh, conferences and seminars where there have been other users of the Android uh, cell phones, and many of them, they just really, really love it, and they love the fact that it is uh, open so that anybody can create different applications and such. Uh, from your experience, do you have any particular phones that run the Android operating system that you have been quite impressed with? No, I, I, as of to date, have not found an Android phone that has really called my name. I keep thinking that with these newer releases of Android that maybe uh, something will come out and finally uh, it will hoax me over. Because the truth is, I, I, it may sound like I've been putting down Android, but I actually like the concept of Android a lot. I've, I came from using Nokia phones, which are very open-source kinds of phones that didn't have all the restrictions that iOS has. You know, I, I like the idea of being able to plug my phone into a computer and have it instantly recognized as a drive that I can drag and drop between that and my PC. You can't do that with, with, with the iPhone. you got to use iTunes. So I very much like the idea of the openness of Android, and I'm encouraged by the steps that are taken, and I keep hoping that sooner or later Android accessibility will become comparable to iOS accessibility. And who knows, you might see me jumping ship and going over there. Because there's a lot of neat stuff. Uh, a really good place to learn about Android, if one wants, is if you go to blindcooltech.com, that's B-L-I-N-D-C-O-O-L-T-E-C-H dot C-O-M, uh, there are podcasts there by a guy named Mike Arigo. He also spoke at our Best in Tech uh, last November. Uh, he knows a lot about Android. He, he, he's been playing with them quite a bit. He has several of them. And he's done a great series on Android accessibility. It's about anywhere from four to six parts now that he's done to his, his ongoing series on Android accessibility. And I highly recommend it as a must-listen to anyone who wants to learn more about Android. And that's Mike Arigo? Yeah. Okay, great, great. You know. Well, and what about uh, your experience? I know that you sort of talked about how you personally do not use your phones to be able to read electronic books, daisy books, or to play music. But have you had much experience of just trying it? And what's the main reason that you prefer not to listen 
or read your, your books or listen to music on your phone? Primarily because I like the way, sometimes I like having separate devices for things, and there are times that that actually comes in handy. Say, for example, you're, you're on the bus, and it's a long ride, so you want to listen to some music or read a book, but at the same time, you want to run your GPS program to uh, keep track of where you are, be notified of an upcoming stop, etc. Uh, sometimes I find that it makes more sense to use two devices, uh, I like the navigation in my book sense, for example, uh, music and book reading a lot better than I do on the iPhone. And who's to say, you know, maybe when NLS comes up with an iPhone app, I'm certainly going to give it a try, and I may very well end up liking that. But uh, sometimes I like to use my iPhone for certain things, and sometimes I like to use my book reader for certain things. So it's, yeah. it's really a matter of personal preference. It, it's a really amazing, though. When we think about this, if we think about five years ago, um, and what cell phones were at that time, and now what cell phones could do. It's really amazing that literally with a cell phone, we can keep a cell phone in our pocket, and we could do word processing. We could send emails. We could send text messages. We could make phone calls. We could surf the Internet literally just with that, that cell phone alone. So it, it, it saves a lot of space, and it's much, much cheaper than having something such as a, a, a Braille note-taker which is six, seven thousand dollars. Know. But uh, Julian, do you have uh, some time to answer some questions from our audience? We got about absolutely ten minutes or so. Sure. And so, if all of you on the lines there, if you would unmute your phones and press star six, and we'll open up to questions that you may have about the smartphones for Julian. This is Angela in Pittsburgh. Hello. Yes. Hello, Angela. Go ahead. Um, I just wanted to mention, and I'm so sorry I coughed in your ear before, but I've had this for two weeks and I didn't know I wasn't muted. Um, the OCR programs, I have some on my phone, for my iPhone, and I just wanted to mention there's two that are free and they do work. So you can just snap a picture of any page of anything uh, with your camera. And basically what it does is it sends the image to your email. They just open your email and the image is right there and it starts reading it to you. It takes like one second. Yeah, uh, we, didn't, we didn't even get to talk about OtoCR, but absolutely. I, uh, I have several of those as well. Statex is a really nice, basic, free OCR program. The one that I found that I've gotten the best results with is one called Prismo, and it costs nine ninety nine, but... So far, of all the LCR programs that I've played with on the iPhone, that one seems to do it best. Yeah, and it's funny because not that long ago, the phone that used to do it cost like two, three thousand bucks. So again, well, yeah. technology scores again. It really does. It really does. The iPhone is <laughs> opening up a lot of doors for uh, for people who couldn't afford blindness-specific products uh, by putting this mainstream hardware on the shelf and giving the uh, the manufacturers an ability to, to develop software. And not have to pay so much for for developing the hardware alone. It really helps us out in the end. Now, I have another question. Did you, ma'am? Sure. Did you want to share the names of the two free OCR softwares? Oh golly, I don't know what they're called. They put them on right away when I bought the phone. Oh. They're, if I if I find them, I'll send them to you. Okay, great. Thank you. That'd I'd have to sense. shut my phone off and touch them and see what they are. But all I know is they're OCR. 
so I will find out and get back to you on that, but I can't tell you right now. But, and, again, reinforce, you have to go, if you have an iPhone, that's to go directly to the Apple people. Because when I went to my carrier store, they didn't even know how to turn the voiceover on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's another great point, and I'm glad you mentioned it. Uh, if you're going to get an iPhone, definitely go to the Apple Store. You can get the same uh, setup, the same service, uh, whether you're upgrading your phone or setting up a new account with any of the carriers. They can do that for you on the Apple Store, and you'll have the benefit of their knowledge because the iPhone is the only phone that they sell. Whereas if you go to AT&T, Verizon, or Sprint, they sell many different kinds of phones, and there's no way that they can know a whole lot about any particular one. So that's a great suggestion. Now, there was a program that I heard about that I guess Google invented an app or something where you take a picture of anything, Google Eyes or something. Is that available as an app yet to go into phones where you just... It's sort of like that Viz program you mentioned where you're supposed to be able to snap a picture of stuff. Yeah, um, you're, you're, thinking of, you're thinking of Google Goggles. There used to be an Actually, app on the iPhone. There used to be one called uh, Noogle Noggles that used that <laughs> engine, but for whatever reason, it, 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 they broke that uh, engine. It's not working anymore. So uh, no. the apps I recommend for that are, of course, VizWiz. There's another one called Omoby, O-M-O-B-Y, that works. That does that very nicely. So... Thank you for that, but I think um, we should uh, open it up in case there's other. All right, thank you very much. Uh, thank you. Okay, any other questions for Julian? Uh, Dr. Bell, this is Tom. I did come up with a, a new idea of Julian. I used FaceTime the other day for the first time when my son called me, and that's where it's like a, you know, could see me. I could see him barely. But you can use the front of the back-facing camera. So if you are calling somebody with an iPhone who is, who is not visibly impaired, you can then use the camera and show it around the room or where you are, and they can explain to you what's seeing. It's That's a great idea. Yeah, I've never and also, thought of it before, but you could use it for identifying where you are, identifying objects hey, does this tie go with a shirt, uh, those sorts of things. Oh, absolutely. Another great program for that, too, is Skype. Uh, I've heard of a lot of people who do that. Uh, that's another great way uh, for, you know, getting help from a sighted friend or relative, uh, you know, who can't be there physically. So that's a great way to do it as well. Next question for Julian or any other comments, recommendations? Question, when is uh, Tendero, they're coming out this summer, I understand, the new uh, GPS app? Yeah, that that's the last word I've heard, that they're looking at possibly something around the summer. But, you know, with these things, you have to just kind of wait and see. Uh, it is a major undertaking. App development, uh, especially on this level, is something that, that takes a while. And, of course, they've got to beta test it, make sure that uh, it's working and that it's uh, worthy of being a release candidate. So it is possible. You never know. Perhaps by convention time uh, we might see something. Julian, I have a question about I know that you mentioned some specific applications for the iPhone. Um, do some of these applications also work on the Android phones, for example, 
the GPS applications and the LookTel money reader and such, do they also have apps available for the Android? Some developers do develop these also for Android, some don't. But as far as GPS goes, anybody who's an Android user, uh, it has the benefit of having the Google Maps built-in GPS. And I understand that works very nicely. And in fact, some of the GPS uh, solutions on the iPhone that I mentioned, such as um, Ariadne and I think even around me, no, not around, uh, uh, what's the other one, My Way Light, uh, they also make uh, use of Google Maps. So uh, anybody who's got an Android phone automatically gets a free, uh, full-fledged, turn-by-turn and everything GPS, which is very nice. Great. How about we have time for one last question for Julian. Do we, does anybody else have another question regarding uh, the different smartphones? Okay. Well, Julian, uh, would you mind uh, sharing your contact information if some people want to contact you privately? Um, do, you, do you have a telephone number or email address that they could contact you? Yes, I, I certainly do. Uh, for anybody who's interested, I do iPhone training as well as uh, other uh, portable assistive technology training as well. And uh, I'm also happy to answer questions to people, you know, help them make decisions, things like that. I can be reached via email at P, like Paul, R, like Robert, T, like Tom, B, like Boy, L, like Larry, access, A-C-C-E-S-S, at gmail.com. So that's P-R-T-B-L, access, at gmail.com. Or if you prefer to call by phone, I can be reached at area code 818-794-9554. Once again, that's 818-794-9554. Great. Well, this has been very, very helpful and I think we're going to have to do some individual podcasts where we're going to actually get some of these programs and record you as you're walking around the streets of New York. How's that, Julian? Oh, that sounds like fun. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to thank all of you for tuning in this evening. And on behalf of uh, Airs LA and the Council of Citizens with Low Vision International, uh, we're very, very happy that you could join us. Also, this particular program, if you do want to hear it again, it will be up at the cclvi.org webpage probably within three days, and that will be at www.cclvi.org. Also, you'll find it at the Airs LA webpage at www.airs, that's A-I-R-S-L-A.org, and there you'll also find links to other podcasts such as Blind Cool Tech that Julian spoke about. And lastly, very, very proud to announce that ACB Radio, they will be broadcasting this podcast on Friday and Saturdays. So to get information on that, you could go to www.acbradio.org, and then you'll click the mainstream link, and that's where you'll then find this program. So we thank you very, very much for your time, and we hope that you'll join us next month when we talk more about low vision.